Josh Spidel. He is he plays at Vermont. He was a prep star in Indiana. Uh, signs with Vermont. Gets in a car wreck, a bad car wreck. He was in a coma for five weeks. Uh, they said that it was affecting a lot of things, including they said that he would never have an intelligence level above the fourth grade after this. Well, that ended up not being true. He goes to Vermont, and this uh, the last game, home game for Vermont, they put Josh out there. He's been with the team, but they put him out there, and there was an agreement before the game with Albany, Albany and he scored on a layup, and he said that was an incredible highlight for him. Uh, he had a GPA at Vermont of 3.4, but it was really neat to watch that. And uh, also, uh, there was a guy at Jackson State. His name is Snacks. Uh, he's uh, a bit on the heavy side. That's probably how he got the nickname of Snacks. He was a manager. They put him in a game, and the other team didn't really guard him, so they let him shoot a couple of threes, and he finally made one. Boy, it was, it was from it, deep. That was, was unbelievable. It was deep, and he was named the SWAC Player of the Week <laughs> So for hitting that three. Might have the lowest scoring average of anybody that's been named the Player of the Week in the SWAC, but hey, uh, good for him. So uh, I thought that was interesting. And then Chicago State. They have canceled two men's basketball games on the road. They have canceled two women's home games. Uh, it is uh, citing the uh, the coronavirus. Uh, they This is believed to be the first uh, sporting events or major sporting events in the U.S. canceled due to the virus. Because mm-hmm. uh, it, it's hit, it continues to spread, and it's hit into the Chicago area. And so I, I don't know if anybody at the school has been affected or if this is just a precaution but anyway, they've canceled uh, four games, two men's games, two women's games. So they canceled the rest of their games? Uh, I would assume so. I guess the next thing is their conference tournament. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how this impacts that. It, I didn't see that in in, um, in the report. Yeah. Well, mm. you have to do what you feel is in the best interests of your program and your university and your student-athletes. But I, I, the fact that no one else is doing this. I just think that might be premature. It uh, And I do wonder, has it affected somebody within the program? It didn't say that. It just said mm-hmm. that, out of precaution, they have canceled those games. Uh, also, Joe Lenardi, we mentioned this earlier, he had Kentucky projected as a two-seed right after the game when they lost to Tennessee. They dropped down to the three-seed. And this was an interesting comment from Lenardi. He said that uh, Duke is a team, I think he's got them on the three-seed, the three-line. He said, but, you know, interestingly, Duke does well at bracket time. Mm-hmm. In other words, they seem to get benefit of the doubt about their seating Correct. in the brackets. And uh, he, he said it kind of with a grin. So I think people know what he was talking about when he made that comment. Well, he had, he had the, the famous appearance here where he said, watch this. And when he was talking to the tip-off club, and he he threw out some tweet about Kentucky, and it was just amazing to watch <laughs> how quickly his phone blew up <laughs> yeah. in terms of the reaction immediately yeah. from Big Blue Nation. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Uh, there was an interesting game last night in the uh, NBA with um, uh, Karis Levert. I've heard of him, but didn't know that much about him. He plays for the Nets. He got 51 points last night, but what made it even more intriguing was that the Nets were trailing Boston by 17 points in the fourth quarter, and the Nets coach was about to bench all the starters to rest them. But then Levert got hot, 
started hitting a bunch of threes. The next thing you know, he has rallied them. They're three down, and he is triple teamed by Boston. They foul him as he tries to shoot a three. He goes to the foul line. He was 6 of 11 at the line, made all three threes, sent the game into overtime, and then the Nets beat Boston 129 to 120. He scored all points in overtime for the Nets. He and in the fourth quarter and overtime combined, he outscored Boston thirty-seven to thirty-six. Ooh. Outscored them, and so his previous high was thirty-seven points uh, in a game. He gets fifty-one in this game with thirty-seven in the fourth quarter and beyond. So a huge comeback win for the Nets. Uh, also, uh, Golden State they defeat Denver uh, one sixteen to one ten. They outscored Denver on three-pointers, 54-9, to which is 18 three-pointers to three. And what makes this another interesting note, Denver was favored by 15 points. Denver is the fifth team in the NBA in the last 30 years to be favored by at least 15 and to lose by at least 15. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen very much. Uh, and then Minnesota beats the Pelicans. Um, uh, Zion Williamson had 25 points. He continues to play well. He's going to play in back-to-back games for the first time this year. They played tonight against Dallas, but he's been cleared to do that. He's uh, he's playing about 25, 28 minutes per game right now, but uh, he is going to be in action. Uh, and then, and I saw another note that I thought was kind of interesting, too, with the Lady Vols. Uh, their attendance, they were second in the SEC in attendance, averaging 9,421. But on the road, they were eighth. They used to be, like, first because everybody wanted to go see the Lady Vols and Pat Summit and how good the program was. On the road in SEC games, average 4,135, only eight. So uh, that's I had not followed that in recent years, but that just surprised me that they were so far down the list in road attendance in SEC games only. Yeah, and they might not have had a favorable draw when it comes to the teams they played away from Knoxville in terms mm-hmm. of the success that those particular programs are, are having or aren't having. Yeah, that's true, and that can certainly impact your attendance as well. Yeah, good point. So that's going to do it for today's edition of Sports Talk. Do want to throw this out here. So you have the Rockets, six straight wins. They find a way to, uh, to come back, rally, beat the Boston Celtics, then they turn around and lose to the Knicks? Goodness, that was that was a little yeah. bit of a head scratcher. Well, they got out rebounded like sixty four to thirty four. Yeah, something crazy like that. That's what Which, they get for walking in the employees' what? entrance. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to do it for today's edition of Sports Talk. Stay tuned. The starting eleven is next. The Sports Animal breaks down the beautiful game. Benchmark Physical Therapy brings you the starting 11. Will West and Chris Carroll bring you the top 11 topics in the world of association football each week. Now, let's go to the studio for the starting 11. Welcome into starting 11. It was a weekend of upsets in the EPL, the first MLS game in the mid state. This is the starting 11. Will West and Chris Carroll here. Benchmark Physical Therapy 
brings it to you every single Wednesday night, 7 to 8 o'clock on 99.1, the sports animal. Will West and Chris Carroll here. Chris, how are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks, Will. How are you doing? Doing fantastic, man. It was a great week of uh, soccer matches. I've done a pretty good job. We do on the starting lineup every Friday. Uh, We'll pick against matches against the spread, games against the spread, three regardless of sport, and I have been killing it with my soccer picks. 0 for 3 last week. It did not go <laughs> a, well for me at all. What a weekend. Yeah, man. it was uh, not great, not great whatsoever. Should have taken your Wolves, like I said last week that yeah. I was going to do. Didn't work out that way. Point number one, and here's how the starting 11 works. Top 11 points in the world of soccer each and every single week. We'll talk EPL. We'll talk uh, MLS. We'll talk um, you know international soccer. We'll talk uh, Bundesliga, La Liga. We'll talk it all starting 11 with Will West and Chris Carroll. All right, point number one, Chris. Liverpool falls to Watford. Let's start here. How did Watford pull off that upset? What a game. What what a game. Well, first of all, it was like a throwback to the 82-83 season. That year, Watford owned by Elton John. They came second in the um in the uh, what was the Premier League then. They came second and Liverpool won won the league that year. Okay. So it was really like a throwback game. Watford going at it and uh, more than holding their own and actually beating Liverpool. How did they do it? I think they did it by being fearless. Over the last few weeks, how many times have we said Norwich have had a go and done well. West Ham, Villa, Wolves, they've all had a go. They've had their chances and they, they've missed their chances or, or Liverpool have saved, you know, the goalkeepers had a great game and saved, saved or they've been done by VAR. Watford went for it, created chances, scored three good goals. Well, first one was questionable perhaps on, on the build-up, but yeah. um, they, they finished well. Now, any one of those three goals in the past, the first goal, Van Dijk could have, could have cut out the cross. The second goal, the breakaway, they've been relying on Allison to to it was a, it was a one v one. Another day, Allison saves that. The third goal by Dean, great finish because the ball came at him. He was laid back to him really quickly, and he put a great he, he finished really well. So they end up scoring three, and it looks like a stroll. Now other teams have been breaking open Liverpool and breaking them down, and they've been missing those chances. And Dean's shot would have gone over the bar another day, you know, or Allison would have saved one one v one. And they've been, and then Liverpool create a chance, and and they nick the game. So they've, they've I won't say they've been riding their luck, Liverpool, because I'm a believer in in um, in making your own luck. But Watford went for it, like other teams had done, and they put their chances away, and um, and they, I mean, Liverpool just looked shell shocked. A lot of composure for Watford in those big spots too, and I think that's something that's cost other teams against Liverpool when it seems like they've had Liverpool dead to rights. They, it, right. I, I don't know if it's nerves, but they just blow it right. right. And this was. Um, it, Ismalia, what is his name? Ismalia Sar, is that his Saar, name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, the, the cool composure finishing. that he had on that one-on-one to just wait for Allison yeah, right. to come towards him and then chip. That was an, an unbelievable amount of composure for a very young player, right? Absolutely. Um, Sar yeah. had a fantastic match. Did you, did you think that overall, I've seen a lot of people say, okay, Liverpool just seemed out of sorts and maybe disinterested at times? Did you think that Liverpool was coasting a bit? They seem to, and and it, there must be a tendency for them for all the times they say, no, it's one game at a time, we treat each game as it, as it comes, and da-da-da. I mean, they've got the league wrapped up now, so then it maybe did catch them cold a little bit, and, and once you go behind, some days, you, as much as you try, you just can't get going. And it's okay if you've got one or two players like that, but it looked like the whole team was just frozen a lot of the times and you got defenders making mistakes who don't normally make mistakes. Yeah, Van Dyke I mean, does not make the mistakes that he made on that one cross and no. he didn't even stick his foot in the challenge. No, no, it's weird. It was really strange. It's like I say, another day just that ball doesn't get across and there's no goal. Trent Alexander Arnold for was it that was that that was the same goal? No, it was Deeney's goal. He drops a, a back pass short that got intercepted yep. intercepted. You know, he how, how many times does he do that? And then they got cut open by a by a through ball 
which I, incidentally I heard about some stats earlier on and I heard that Liverpool are really susceptible to that through ball but they almost they know that and they almost give it up because they they're relying on Alisson so so much and they trust him so much because of the way they're pressed they're just happy to kind of risk that I thought for Watford, De La Feu's injury, the way that they responded to that was huge because De La Feu was the best player that was on the on the field at the time. Yeah, and and it was it was it was Van Dyke with a couple of extra shoves as they're kind of chasing after the ball. I thought there should have been at least a free kick there on that play, or at least gone to VAR for a penalty. It was at, at worst careless. I thought right, if you want to say it, or at mm. best careless. At worst, that was excessive, which should have been a red card, and he's off. What was your, your take on the extra shoving there from Van Dyke on Dale LeFayu that ends up with the knee injury? Yeah, I think Van Dyke. he looks like this cool, calm customer, but you don't play in that position and at that level without having some tough, you know, some some um, steel to you. And he knew, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you're right, he was the best player on the field at the moment, Dale LeFayu at that time. So, yeah, he was he was cute. Uh, he looks all innocent and cool, calm customer. So he can make it look like, uh, you know, a, a, a non-event, if you like. And, um, yeah, I think he knew what he was doing. So, at least, like you say, at least uh, at least refer it to um, to VAR. It, it, yes, I, I agree with that. At least refer to VAR to see what, what they want to do there. Um, Liverpool loses two times in 11 days. They escaped in between that to West Ham and escaped against Norwich. Now, we've watched them escape a lot of this year, right? A lot of this season. Right. Um, is there something with Liverpool, maybe a complacency or something that's caught, that's 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 uh, crept in a little bit, or do you think that they've just lived dangerously so long and eventually was going to catch up with them, and it finally did catch up with them? Yeah, I think so. I think they've built up this air of invincibility that that's not a tactic, you know, but it just grows game after game. So you might look out on a couple of games or get fought. Not, and again, they've done what they've done, and it's not lucky. They're a fantastic team, and to build up this amount of amount of points is unbelievable this this lead so it's not, i'm not sour grapes on, on liverpool here and saying they're lucky but game by game by game they build up this area of invincibility and when they when other teams see teams having a go at them and, and just not being able to beat them and lose again you know and liverpool have won again and liverpool have won again it's almost it gets expected so it's been coming it's been coming and um like i say i think what i think what would put those chances away like you say they were cool in front of goal and the weaknesses that they do have that every team does have then uh, they caught up with them this time i also think that for liverpool it seemed like when they went down one nothing it, it wasn't that big of a deal to them right they didn't, they didn't seem affected by that and then one more bad play because you really don't have a sense of urgency being down one goal it ends up being two goals and then all of a sudden you do have a sense of urgency and just a mistake happens dini's goal happens all of a sudden it's three it's three nil that is one thing that i look at with liverpool that i think they're that Maybe they're, I don't want to say complacency, but the expectation that we're fine, we're still going to win this down a goal. We're fine, we're still going to win this down two goals. Right. And it led to them not knowing how to respond. The next thing you know, the whole thing's over. Yeah, then they're just not used to it, are they? So it must have come as a shock to them. And then they couldn't. (laughs) And they couldn't. They were looking around at each other going, what's going on? This doesn't happen to us. They were surprised as the rest of us, right? That that was happening. That's right. But again, let's give his name out again. Is is Melia Star, Sar, excuse me. Sar, yeah. From Senegal. Is that where he's from, I believe? I believe so, yeah. Goodness. Two goals and he sets up Dini for that last one as well. Tip the cap to him. That was an unbelievable performance. Point number two, Nashville SC's, Nashville SC's debut on Saturday. What were your thoughts on that match? It was a great atmosphere, first of all. So t- I tip my hat to Nashville and the fans uh, for creating a, a great atmosphere. It was a good start in terms of carnival and spectacle, and it looked like everyone had a great time. The, the fans kept going until the very end, and they were trying to urge him on to, to get an, an equaliser. So Nobody gave up on the team, which was great. 
it was a little bit predictable in, in Nashville's attack. Defenders have the ball, let's knock it forward to the, the midfield players, and the midfield players just knock it up to the forwards and let's hope the forwards score. There wasn't much like we've been talking about recently and like you see all around the world, really, where midfielders get beyond forwards to create more attacking options. You know, you don't, you don't just knock it forward for, and hope a forward can outpace a defender because Atlanta at the back, they were fast. And um, Badgie, who is the Nashville, the Nashville centre forward, he was fast, but the, the Atlanta defence were just faster. When Alan Wynn came on in the second half, he added something different on the right-hand side. And towards the end of the game, you saw him taking people on and, and creating a few chances, at least giving a bit of hope, you know. Now, so a lot of his service and his delivery wasn't great and didn't quite get where to find his man. But at least he was having a go and it was adding variety to the attack. It was a good start. Uh, a lot of work to do, I believe, for, for the coach and the players to, to gel. It was new, you know. It could have gone a lot worse. It could have They could have come off that with a 4 nothing defeat. Not, yeah. that they, not that they played as though they should have, but, you know, it, Atlanta with their history, it could have been a real a real thumping that day. But it, it wasn't. So, yeah, not a bad start, I but would say. When you saw that 2-1 Atlanta, gets the, Atlanta United gets the win over Nashville SC, your thoughts on the second goal from Atlanta, the assistant pulls her flag up to oh, yeah. show offside, but the whistle doesn't blow. The, uh, the the referee waved her off when she pulled the flag up. And it was the right call because it did come off of a Nashville player, so it wouldn't have been offside there. Your thoughts on that one, because it did seem to some extent like Nashville pulled up a little bit when yeah, they saw they the did. flag go up. They did. I, I heard Alexei Lawless say at the half, hey, that's that soccer in 2020, you've got to keep playing until you hear the whistle mm-hmm. because you never know what's going to go to review. Did you agree with Alexei Lawless's take on that one, that it's, it is on Nashville when you see the flag, you don't get to pull up? It is. I can see where players are just confused these days. Do, you, does the, do they put the flag up? Don't they put the flag up? How long you got to wait? You just, do you just keep going? When I first started playing, the rule was play to the whistle. Don't, yeah. don't stop, play to the whistle, whatever happens. And, and I think that's, it's still the rule in kids' soccer and junior soccer and, and college soccer. and pro, you know. So that it's, it's instinctive when you see the flag go up. So I get it why they did it. As far as the laws go or the rules go and the referee, they, they've got it right. Third item, MLS leader said before the season started that the league will be bigger than La Liga or the EPL and Major League Baseball within the next 10 years. Of course, that's not true, right? But what can the MLS do to close the gap between La Liga, the EPL, Bundesliga from where they are right now? Well, other than have 100 years of history, which they're going to have to <laughs> hang around for a while. Um for me, and I don't know if it'll ever happen and how practical it is because of the size of the country, If you could, first of all, one league would be ideal where everybody plays everybody, home and away, and then you get, a, you get an even look at everybody and, and you get a realistic, um, realistic league table. And maybe two leagues, two MLS leagues. So I know when we've discussed this before, and I know the owners have all bought their, their, their franchises and they don't want to... They don't want to go down, but if you had at least if you had two MLS leagues, it might long term make it stronger than one MLS league where nobody goes down. If you have if you have relegation and promotion between those two leagues, and you have it on a national level, I think that would make it more interesting, more exciting. And then and and then it, then there's the um, the salary issue. If you could pay players whatever you want, attract whatever players you want from around the world, then you then those two things. 
then you'd have a, a stronger league. So I, I actually have written down those those exact two things. Number one, let's start with more players. More money equals better players, right? right. The, the MLS is, if you're really taking a quarter of a billion dollars for as a franchise fee to begin at, uh, at Charlotte, and it was $150, $200 million for Austin and for uh, Nashville, some of that money needs to go back into the player pool, and you got to pay pay players more and go get real players, yeah, right? Yeah. You can't say that, um, hey, look at the stars we have. We've got uh, Zlatan. We've got Wayne Rooney. 36. Oh, no. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, it's For a year or two. Yes. And then they're, and then they're Yes, and then Wayne Rooney's gone back to Derby County, right? right. So you, you have to have legitimate players and legitimate stars. Stars are what makes soccer, and players are what makes the league. And I think that's the place that you have to start, is you have to put some of this money that you're throwing around out there into players and into investments for players. Um, Big-time TV deal is number two for me. You don't have the big-time TV deal that the NFL, the NBA, uh, Major League Baseball, Mm. the NHL has right now, the EPL has right now. MLS doesn't have it. It's, you know, parcel a game out. It was good to get the the game on Fox. To have Nashville SC versus Atlanta United actually on Fox broadcast was absolutely massive. But then the next game might be on FS2, or this game might be on the Regional Sports Network, or this game might be on ESPN2. Or ESPN News, you might see some of the top matches. It's just all over the place. Yeah. It's, it's one of the issues NASCAR deals with this. I don't know where to find the, the, the races, and it's one thing that's hurt NASCAR's ratings. The, the MLS has never had that. So when, until you get to the point where people are bidding for your rights and competing with each other and trying to up, up one another to be able to get your rights, you can't say that you're in that stratosphere yet. And the other thing is, like you said, be a legitimate league. They're trying to set up a league that looks like American sports, and it's soccer. And American sports, it's sports American soccer fans right now don't want that. American soccer fans want something right. that looks like La Liga and Bundesliga and EPL and the way soccer looks like it did, does the rest of the world. So you can't hand us the NFL with 32 teams and then let's play some sort of weird schedule and then we'll have a playoff at the end. It will just never be successful enough for you to get, even in the conversation with the NHL and the uh, and Major League Baseball, much less in the conversation with the EPL and La Liga. Mm. No, I agree. I saw the I saw the MLS guy speaking before the game on the field, and and he was saying how you know we're going to be um, as strong as those leagues around the world in the future. And I thought, well, I wonder why they're not listening to the fans it really, <laughs> and, and the rest of the soccer world. I mean, they're just giving who they're kidding. And like you say, if 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 it was if it was as strong or if it was likely to be as strong, Rooney wouldn't have gone back to England. Zlatan wouldn't be back. He, yep. He's playing in Italy again. It's it's not right. It's something's not quite jiving, and, and and they need to sort that out. We'll come back on the other side. Wolves against Tottenham. Wolves now positioned possibly for a Champions League spot. We'll break down that game coming up. Starting 11, 99-1, the sports animal. Benchmark Physical Therapy is a leading physical therapy provider dedicated to bringing you back to your best. Benchmark focuses on proven methods, people helping people. Benchmark has more advanced certified clinicians than anyone in the region and outcomes that exceed national standards. Benchmark therapists know the importance of establishing trust with their patients. With over 30 locations in the Knoxville area, we have one close to you, including Easttown, Alcoa, and Maryville. Visit BenchmarkPT.com for a location near you. How would you like to invite your friends to visit you at Stamford Bridge? Or how about a family gathering at Goodison Park? These are just two of the personalized home communities available through Turner Homes right here in Knoxville. Turner Homes has six communities with home plans tailored to you from $184,000 to $600,000. They've been building locally for almost 50 years and are ready to work with you on your new dream home. Visit turnerhomes.com and design your perfect new home online now. 
Looking for children's soccer coaching outside of the club scene? Carroll Sports Academies has been coaching soccer for over 18 years. Their professional coaches keep it fun and build confidence while providing structured classes. Years of experience has helped shape their fun soccer curriculum, which prepares players for competition. Never played before? No problem. Beginners and experienced players are welcome. They truly believe children of any age should receive quality soccer coaching. Check out their website, carolsportsacademies.com. And now, back to the starting 11. Brought to you by Benchmark Physical Therapy. Online at BenchmarkPT.com. Superb from Diogo Jota. Out of a very tight position, he's opened things right up for Wolves here. And this is Jimenez. Golden chance for Wolves, which he takes. Credit the finish. What about the work from Jota? And Wolves lead against Tottenham Hotspur. Starting 11991 The Sports Animal. Thanks to Benchmark Physical Therapy for making it happen for us. 991thesportsanimal.com. You can stream the podcast as soon as the show is over, but we're always on 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Wednesday nights on 991 The Sports Animal. Okay, point number four is where we are right now, Chris. Wolves over Tottenham. Are the Wolves now positioned for a Champions League spot? Three, two, five goals in that one. That was exciting. Yeah, and I've tried to sit here respectfully happy <laughs> as a Wolves fan and you as a Spurs fan, so I hadn't mentioned it. But um, seriously, it was a great game. I mean, anybody, anyone could have won that game. It was back and forth, wasn't it? And Wolves came from behind twice. And, um, you know, anyone could have, have snatched that winner. As far as Wolves as a, as a Champions League, having a Champions League spot, it's still up in the air, isn't it? I, last week, I predicted them to have a champion, to, to make the Champions League, them and Sheffield United. I'm still going to stick with them. And, uh, you know, no reason to change my mind on that one. And they seem pretty settled and playing fairly well. They're a bit vulnerable at the back at times, I know. Uh, maybe that's the nature of the way they play, you know, going forward. They they throw three or four players forward uh, and hope they hope one of them scores. And now they, they are scoring goals. So, that, looking around them, Man United, Spurs, Sheffield United. But, I mean, there's still a lot of teams in the, in the shake-up. Chelsea, of course. And now Leicester are coming back to the pack as well. So I still think it's up for grabs. You can go down to, to only last week we were talking about Arsenal and Burnley still in the in the frame and they're at the eleventh, tenth and eleventh respectively. Yeah. So hopefully, yes. And and, and you know, um not letting my uh, heart rule my head looking looking at it from a purely a soccer point of view. I think Wolves do have a, a great chance amongst those teams, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think they have as good a shot as anybody right now. I did think that the Wolves they look tired. Yeah, that, that's one thing, and maybe Europa League's doing that to them a little bit. Everybody's tired right now at this at this time of year, but anybody that's playing in cups, cup matches still is. But they, they look tired, but somehow were able to get it done. I thought that uh, uh, Treore did a great job of drawing on the center backs for Tottenham and then just dumping it off to you know whatever the defender that would come up the right side because he would kind of go into the middle and draw on a center back, dump it on the right side. Somebody would get beat. They would send the cross across, and there wouldn't be a center back there. Two of the three goals came on that one. They took advantage of those weak center backs that Tottenham has, and that was one thing I thought that they did. I mean, their passes that they had, I think Tottenham had more than 660 passes. Um, Wolves had about 320. And the difference in less than half the number of passes that Tottenham did, man, they took advantage of their chances. They knew what they needed to do to draw on those center backs and take advantage of it. And then with Jota right now, six goals in three matches for him. And he sets up the Jimenez goal as well with a great job. They just do a great job of it's the, the opposite of what they did when they had all of those draws in the middle of the season, which is they when they're in front of net, they finish. 
Yeah. And it's something that's the exact opposite of what they were for a very long time, but they've really learned to put the ball away. Funny how it goes, isn't it? You can just get out of um, out of habit of scoring, and then scoring can become a habit again. And so a team, when you play soccer, it's all about building relationships around the, on the field. So that you, you, you're, if you're a right midfield, then you're a right fullback, and you're inside midfield, and you're right forward. They're hugely, hugely important to you. And you, when you get the ball, you know where they are, and they know where you're going to play it instinctively almost. Uh, and it's about developing those relationships. And you're right, Traore, Doherty on the right-hand side, um, Jota, Jimenez, that that crew all seem to be all seem to be linking up so well now. And they know instinctively where, where the other one's going. And if Traore goes outside, Doherty goes inside, and vice versa. I'm putting great crosses, crosses, uh, um, great crosses across, and. Um, Jota for a while he was misfiring and when he and he got injured and when he was out the team Jimenez kind of he was a little bit lost without him you know and they, they do have other options of forwards but when they're all fit and they're all uh, they're all firing well then they they are they're looking like a, a a good unit the the four that were in the back for the Wolves as well in this match I thought they did an amazing job because Tottenham did a really nice job of making setting the table mm-hmm. and getting across across the middle and would get the ball with on the cross and then over and over again you'd see one two center backs block another block another block even, yeah. even one of the the goals Tottenham had came off of a block that bounced off and they were able to to put it in after that they just did an amazing job making sure Tottenham had no clean looks whatsoever in front of net cuz Tottenham had a number of opportunities in front of net and unlike and, and look sort of the wolves wolves took advantage of theirs and i think a lot of that had to do with you know the, how good the center backs were yeah. for wolves in this match versus what what tottenham's were doing yeah i think that might have been the difference you're right the the inexperience at the middle of tottenham's defense and the experience or the the, the settled nature of the wolves defense those those defenders now wolves have played game after game after game after game together yeah bolly came back from injury not uh, about a month ago um, but they had another guy to, to slot in. So they all know the system. They all know where they're covering each other. Uh, and they all trust each other. And, and Connor Cody, who's at, in the middle at the back, he's uh, the, the Wolves have got a reputation now for being a team of foreigners, and, and you know, um, <laughs> rightly so, I guess. But the, there are one or two English players in there, and, and Connor Cody's one of them. Uh, he used to play for Liverpool. And he's, he, he's, I think, underrated, and I think he should be looking at, he should be looking at an England cap very soon. Yeah, very cool. Point number five, Jose Mourinho accused of resting players in an EPL match to have them fresh for the FA Cup. Are you buying that? Saw it first from TalkSport, one of the hosts on Saturday after the uh, starting 11 was mentioned, was announced. Just kind of went nuts and said, hey, what what are you doing? You're resting players for an EPL match to have them ready to go so you can have a chance to win an FA Cup because you know that you, that will justify everything that you're doing and the rebuild you want to have. Are, are you buying that Jose, that Jose Mourinho would, would rest those players that that's why they went with the younger back four was because the resting players for the FA Cup. It could well be, yeah. It could well be. And it might be justified, to be honest. Because Tottenham over the last few years, they've come Champions League places in the league and they're, each year they're in the Champions League and close last year, but they've not won, they've not won the Champions League, but they've not won anything else either. Uh, and that's no slight on Spurs. A lot of teams haven't won anything else. So a, a lot of fans of many teams... Would love to see their team win the FA Cup, and um, I'll put it to the Spurs Spurs fans. You know, would would you sacrifice a Champions League spot for winning the FA Cup this year? And the answer is probably yes, as a Spurs fan. Yes, yeah. So. I mean, I, I, as a Spurs, fan, I've never seen them win anything. 
Right. Yeah. No. I mean, I haven't seen him Wolves win anything for. I don't. Don't. I don't yeah. know when. So I'd love to see him win. Uh, win a trophy. So the the big. Whenever other teams talk to Spurs fans, they always say, well, "What have you won lately?" You know, yeah. you, won, you haven't won anything for years. You know, I don't know. Especially the Arsenal fans and the the Spurs the, the Spurs uh, relationship. Arsenal can always say, "Look, we've won this, we've won that." The FA Cups kind of they put a claim on the FA Cup lately. Um, Arsenal. So maybe. He might, maybe he's got a point, you know. Then maybe they're not with the, with the squad they've got. They're not going to win the Champions League this year, but they've got a chance of winning the FA Cup. And then Mourinho can go, "Hey, look, look what I did. Do this. I'll do it everywhere." And Manchester United, for all his for all his faults and the way he left Manchester United, he he won he won two trophies for them. Yeah. You know, so um, hey, you, you know, a lot of Spurs might Spurs fans, as you say, might take that. Yeah, I I would take that, and I do buy that he was resting players. I absolutely believe that he's been that he was resting players for this FA Cup run. He even himself said today, uh, "Look, thirty points out of the out of a, he just like I came here to win. We're thirty points out of uh, winning the league. Um, you know that we we can't play for the Carabao Cup. So the FA Cup's the only chance we have this year. I buy it. I think that's why he played the two young center backs and good on the Wolves for torching those two guys, and they got torched. But I I think that I don't and I don't know they're going to win that match either way, but I do think he's resting players, and when you you you, you posed the question to me before the show, hey, w- well, would you give up a Champions League spot for the, to win the FA Cup? The answer is probably yes. Mm. Just to see them lift some type of silver somehow, some way, some shape, some form. Yeah, and and so it it probably is the right move, and especially there because I mean, again, here a lot of people maybe that are that are Tottenham fans. You're watching NBC Sports on Saturday, Sunday morning. Uh, if you don't have ESPN Plus, are you are you streaming the FA Cup matches? Maybe, maybe not. Right. So it's not as big of a deal here. But I mean, to but to Tottenham fans proper there in England, that's a big deal. Oh, yeah. Still matters a lot, right? It, it would be huge. Yeah, it really would. It would. And I, I'd swap. I, I think anybody would. Wolves. I'd swap a Champions League spot for the FA Cup with Wolves. I know it's impossible. Because Wolves are out the FA Cup, but but absolutely, I would. Yeah. I mean, it goes down in history. Point number six, for the second week in a row, Bundesliga teams refuse to play out the end of a match after fans protest the t- a team owner. Okay, who is wrong here? Fans? Players? Because players have, have, at Bayern last week, with um, if you, if you don't know what's going on, Hoffenheim and Bayern last week just kicked the ball around for the last 10 minutes of the match after Bayern fans uh, protested Hoffenheim's owner, or one of the owners of, of Hoffenheim. And if, if you don't know a lot about Detmer Hopp is his name, he's uh, seen as skirting the rules to keep a single investor from owning a majority stake in a team because he has invested a lot in the team. Hoffenheim has gone from the eighth level of German football to the top three in just a decade and then went from third to the Bundesliga in just six years. Um, and a lot of that is he paid for a lot of things to happen, built two different stadiums and the in, an indoor practice facility for them to have state-of-the-art uh, practice facilities. And a lot of German fans are upset that he has invested so much into Hoffenheim to get them from the eighth uh, league of German soccer to the top league of German soccer. This week's protest game because Dortmund fans are banned from the away match at Hoffenheim this time because of their protests with the match at uh, Dortmund. Who do you see is at fault here? Are the players at fault for not playing this out? Are the fans at fault for protesting the the Hoffenheim owner? Well, I look. I've seen lots and heard lots of um, lots of songs directed at players and owners, and um, and and it's been it's almost friendly banter, you know, and, yeah. and you know, and the thing like board the board's got to go and board out and all that kind of thing, and I think that's okay. But now it's become abusive to one person. And uh, I mean, we can't say what they what they're saying, but um, it, it it really is becoming becoming abusive now. So I think that 
good on the players. I really do. I think it's it's come a time. Players are expected just to take, and I know it wasn't directed at the players, but players have been abused. I mean, racially comes to mind a lot. Yeah. That's been a big talking point lately. And um, they've had to just take it over the oh, decades, you know. And um, uh, and now I think the mindset is players are going, look, we don't have to take this. We can just we can stop this right now. And I think the more they do that, I think the the better it is. And uh, and hopefully, hopefully it'll it'll just cut this cut this stuff out. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it either. Union Berlin's two two draw this week with Wolfsburg was suspended because of the protest. And so we're we're at a place right right now where Bundesliga is just saying. We're just going to stop the match if this is what you do. Mm. And so, it, and it is, and some of the things they're doing, you're right. It's not just songs, uh, you know, cursing somebody out via signs inside it, having uh, you know, the guy's head inside of a sniper rifle sight, mm. you know what I mean? And things like that, that is just way, way too far. And yeah. at this point, fans know what you're, you're going to get. So if you keep doing, whether you agree with, with the ruling or not, once you know where you're going to get when you do it, you're accountable at, at, for your actions at that point and for whatever punishment you get. So you hate it for the fans that aren't doing that. But if, I mean, yeah. I hate to say police it yourself, but to some extent you have to police yourself. It's one thing to me too when you're talking about Bayern versus um, Hoffenheim, but when you're, it, it's Union Berlin against Wolfsburg and you're having such protests that they have to suspend the match, mm. it, it's enough already at that point, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And um, good, good, like I say, good on the players for, for saying enough's enough now. Tattoo tutorials coming up next. This is the starting 11 991 The Sports Animal. Benchmark Physical Therapy is a leading physical therapy provider dedicated to bringing you back to your best. Benchmark focuses on proven methods, people helping people. Benchmark has more advanced certified clinicians than anyone in the region and outcomes that exceed national standards. Benchmark therapists know the importance of establishing trust with their patients. With over 30 locations in the Knoxville area, we have one close to you, including La Follette, Halls, Oak Ridge, and Sequoia Hills. Visit BenchmarkPT.com for a location near you. Chesney Dentistry is a local family-owned general dentist practice serving Knoxville since 1983. At Chesney Dentistry, they've been earning the trust of patients and their families by investing time in understanding their unique dental needs. With highly personalized dental service, they are committed to the highest standards of superior clinical care and integrity to help their patients achieve their healthiest, brightest smile. Chesney Dentistry, with two convenient locations in West and North Knoxville. Schedule a visit today at ChesneyDentistry.com. How would you like to invite your friends to visit you at Stamford Bridge? Or how about a family gathering at Goodison Park? These are just two of the personalized home communities available through Turner Homes right here in Knoxville. Turner Homes has six communities with home plans tailored to you from $184,000 to $600,000. They've been building locally for almost 50 years and are ready to work with you on your new dream home. Visit turnerhomes.com and design your perfect new home online now. The British Invasion continues with Chris Carroll and Will West on the Starting Eleven. Brought to you by Benchmark Physical Therapy. It is the Starting Eleven, 99.1 The Sports Animal. Will West, Chris Carroll here with you. Top 11 points in the world of soccer. Brought to you by Benchmark Physical Therapy. Every Wednesday night from 7 to 8 o'clock. If you ever miss a show, you can podcast it. 991dsportsanimal.com. We're at point number seven right now, and that brings us to our tactics tutorial. Chris, what do you have for us today? All right. Well, we're looking at central defenders today. Last week, we looked at the uh, outside defenders, left and right fullbacks. We're looking at central defenders today and how their roles changed over the years. Now, 
I'll, I'll give you a couple of names from the 70s and 80s, and this might give you an idea of what central defenders, what their priority was. He played for Leeds, he's an unbelievable, and England, unbelievable player, Norman Bites Your Legs Hunter. So <laughs> that's a little clue of what he was like. Another Chelsea captain in the 70s, Ron Chopper Harris, played centre-back. They were uncompromising central defenders. Their, their, thou shalt not pass was their, uh, was their motto. There weren't cameras all over the place like there are today. And they got away with, with a lot, with waist-high tackles. There was no VAR, waist-high tackles, knee-high tackles, balls off, you know, things off going, on, off, going on off the ball. And intimidation was a, a big part of their, a big, a big weapon in their, uh, their armoury. So, so that was back in the day. Uh, more recently, a little bit more refined, John Terry and Tony Adams are good examples of, of, of good, solid central defenders. Who could who could also who also play a bit? Well, now it, now it's changed. Now the central defenders they they the, they initiate attacks from from deep, and they're a little bit more cultured now. They should be able to defend and do that part of their of the role. But now you'll see raking passes on the diagonal from the center center of uh, of of the defense. Connor Cody actually, I've seen him a little quite quite a lot, and he he's one for for knocking these balls out what from from the middle of the field on the diagonal out to the halfway line or beyond. Uh, switching play, Virgil Van Dyke as well. He can play, and then you got around the world Sergio Ramos, Gerard Piquet, Rafael Varane. That they're, they're unbelievable players sent, who can defend, but they can also play as well. So it's it's changed a lot over the years. It's gone from uh, bite your legs, Hunter, to um, to Virgil Van Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> Point number eight, Ginny Pleasant Rhodes joined us on the program to talk about a fantastic event coming up that benefits a great cause. Ginny Pleasant Rhodes is here with Kicking Cancer. It's KnoxKickingCancer.com. Big event coming up April 24th through 26th at Cool Sports on Watt Road. Jenny, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right. So can you tell us a little bit about the event? So we've been running the tournament since 2012, and it's a, an adult indoor soccer tournament that raises money for people in the area affected by cancer who are connected to our soccer community. Well, that's really awesome. So, yeah. it, so the money stays here locally yes, in the always. community. Yep. So this year we actually have five families that we are working to benefit, and they're connected both through the adult community and through the youth soccer community. That is really fantastic. Really cool. So um, what what exactly happens during the event that you put on? During this tournament, right? Tons of soccer. Tons of fun. Um, so we end up running Friday night, all day Saturday, and Sunday morning. We have four different divisions this year. It, it becomes a really cool event where everybody comes to play, but lots of family and friends come to hang out. We've got a silent auction at the end. Um, we have food that gets donated. So it ends up becoming just a really great social event where people can donate and hang out. Very cool. Yeah. Okay, so um, if people want to get involved or if they want to get a team involved, is it too late for them to get a team no, together? No, I would love to have more teams. So you have basically until early April um, to still organize your teams. And we have every age, every um, skill level. And then we're also looking for people who just want to come hang out and have fun with us. Too. Very nice. Sponsorship opportunities Sponsorships still available? would be amazing. We have, so Platinum is taken. Um, our sponsor, our presenting sponsor is Pipe Wrench, So that is taken. But we do have gold, silver, and bronze level still available. Okay. So you, if people want to get involved, if they want to get their team going, can they register at knoxkickandcancer.com? Uh, yes. Every bit of information that you need is at knoxkickandcancer.com. Even if it links you somewhere else, that is definitely our hub. Different divisions that you have. Do you yes. have, um, okay, I want to ask, co-ed? Yes. Right? So can you go through them all yes. for me? So pretty much everything is co-ed or at least has the option of being co-ed. Our most competitive is co-ed open, so 6v6, everyone is 18 plus. Um, this is definitely our fastest pace, highest skill division. Um, co-ed over 30A, 
So the men have to be over 30. Women are still 18 plus, um, still 66, and really still a pretty fast-paced game. Um, Co-ed over 30B, we add an extra player onto the field, 77, so five men and two women. This one has men over 30, women over 25. Um, and then the, the division that we have that's new for this year is Masters. So we've always had a lot of people who wanted to be involved and wanted to play, but really don't want to. <laughs> They're not trying to chase after 21-year-olds right, out there, exactly. right? exactly. I'm raising my hand. Um, so we're playing on the smaller field at Cool Sports, and it's just 5v5. Um, men are 40-plus. Women are optional, so it doesn't have to be a co-ed team. But if you want to, the women must be 30-plus. And that one, there are no cleats on the smaller field. Okay. Yeah. So so what size of the team, what, what size team do we need? So you can max your roster out at 12. Okay. So we will provide T-shirts for everyone. It's part of your entry fees that you get T-shirts that you wear as your jersey, um, which is part of the reason we max it out at 12. Um, but really, most of the divisions are 6v6. So you've got lots of times to sub in and out and get everybody playing. And how about 275 per team? Is that yes, the cost? 275 per so team. So 275 per team. You can split that up, up to 12 ways if you want yep. to, right? And you're going to play six at a time? Yes. Yep. So, so if you need a backup like I would need a backup. Yes. <laughs> Same. <laughs> and everybody's guaranteed three games. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Okay, very cool. And so at the end, is there an event or anything like that to hand out trophies and such? So it's funny that you say that. We are going to do trophies this year, which is sort of nobody really knew that yet. <laughs> So we are going to do something a little bit different. Um, and we've always got um, little championship prizes that we're still working on, too. Okay, very cool. And again, it's uh, KnoxKickingCancer.com. KnoxKickingCancer.com for sponsorship opportunities. If you want to get a team together, if you and your friends, you and your coworkers to play, people with you and you are at your school. And can people just donate if they're not yes. able to make it, but they like the cost? Tremendously would be wonderful. So we have PayPal. We have Venmo. If you come by the tournament, we can take your credit card. We can take cash. We can take check. Anything. It is all all welcome and all going to a great cause. It is the 2020 Kick and Cancer Adult Soccer Tournament presented by Pipe Ridge Plumbing. Again, that website, knoxkickandcancer.com. Jenny Pleasant Rhodes here with us. Thank you so much, Jenny. Thank you. Great conversation with Jenny Pleasant Rhodes there. And again, uh, Kick and Cancer, it's knoxkickandcancer.com. You can find out more information. Point number nine, Chris, our target man, one player we're targeting to have a big week this match week. Who do you have for us this week? Well, I'm stealing one of yours from the past. I'm going Calvert, um, Calvert-Lewin. Okay. Yeah, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He's on fire, isn't he? He really is, yeah. You know, so uh, they've got a big game coming up, and uh, we'll, I'll talk about that game in a little bit. But, um, yeah, he said, well, um, let's just dive into it. They've got Chelsea. Yeah, they have Chelsea uh, yeah. this week. That is a yeah. big match. Yeah, so, um, I, don't, they, I mean, they need it. If they're going to continue, if they're going to hang on to that Champions League spot and pull, you know, real Chelsea in, then that'll do, you know, that'll kill two birds with one stone. Well, and, and they especially need it because you just lost to Arsenal and then you had you drew against Man United after going on such a long run of wins. And so now you've kind of fallen behind just a little bit Wolves and the teams there at the top, near the top of the table. If you want to get into that Champions League spot, you got to have this win against Chelsea, I would think. Yeah, and they were unlucky, Everton. It was Calvin Lewin who scored that goal that was, uh, oh, one of the Everton players was sitting in front of the goalkeeper and the, yeah. the, the goal was disallowed. Um so yeah, he uh, I know he scored one in that game, and uh, could have got could have got two there, and so he was unlucky. So I think he hopefully he'll continue his rich vein of form, and um, he'll put one over on Chelsea and do uh, do everybody a favor. Yeah, Wilfred Zaha is who I went with. Uh, Crystal Palace this week um, drew the red card penalty that was the difference against the Newcastle uh, match. Uh, back at left wing where he has three goals and four of his five assists so far this year. Um, Zaha has not been as much of a focal point of the offensively for Crystal Palace. Let's be very honest. They, they've had him in center forward to begin with. They moved him to right wing. They moved him to left wing. They moved him to midfield. He's kind of been all over the place. He seems to be disgruntled a little bit, I'll just say. Mm. Um, I also think that you're catching a Watford team that is going to be riding so high 
after their win against uh, Liverpool that I can't help but think that there's some sort of an emotional letdown for uh, for Watford this week. And I also think, you know, we were kind of all throwing dirt on Crystal Palace. Man, they, they played pretty well the last couple of matches. Yeah, they have. Yeah, so I, I think they're starting to figure some things out. They've gotten some positions settled right now. Had to bench some players and let them come back and, and kind of learn their lesson. And you're, you're getting a high work rate all over the field. And I think that Wilfred Zaha is one of those guys. And I think Wilfred Zaha is going to have a very nice week this week. Yeah, he's he's a great player. I like Zaha. And he always looks like he's got the world on his shoulders. Everyone's trying to have it. He probably has. Everyone's trying to kick him. So, yeah. uh, game after game. There's some great games now. I mean, the, the results last week, they didn't half shake things up. Everybody winning. I know. <laughs> I mean, poor Norwich. They, they win on Friday night against Leicester. <laughs> they, think they're, they're, they think they're making you think you're the talk everybody. of the town, right? Everybody else wins as well, so they're back where they started. <laughs> we'll come so. back with the final say with starting 11, 99-1, the sports animal. Looking for children's soccer coaching outside of the club scene? Carroll Sports Academies has been coaching soccer for over 18 years. Their professional coaches keep it fun and build confidence while providing structured classes years of experience has helped shape their fun soccer curriculum which prepares players for competition never played before no problem beginners and experienced players are welcome they truly believe children of any age should receive quality soccer coaching check out their website carolsportsacademies.com from the pitch to the transfer window we cover it all on the starting 11 brought to you by benchmark physical therapy Final segment starting 11, 99-1D Sports Animal. Thanks to Benchmark Physical Therapy for sponsoring the show. BenchmarkPT.com, where you can find out more about them. We're at point number 10, and that is our relegation review. Norwich wins on Friday, and everybody thinks, my goodness, look at Norwich. Talk of the town. They played so well. Good for them. And then Watford knocks off Liverpool <laughs> and just takes, I don't know, sucks all the air out of the room when it comes to Premier League football. What does what does those two, what do those wins mean for those two teams for their season? They were huge. I mean, Norwich thought they were dancing in the streets in Norwich, weren't they? They thought, yep. this is great. We're, we're going to get out of this. And then and then Bournemouth get a point. Watford win. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, all of a sudden they're back where they started. So, so I mean, it can only do their confidence good. So they are kind of back where they started, but they've got to go again. But at least they've got the belief that they've got, they, they've got a win under their belt. I mean, they haven't – I don't think they've scored a goal for – Something ridiculous like fourteen halves of soccer, or, yeah. Uh, and and but now that they've got that monkey off their back, so they're winning again. Wofford, of course, what an unbelievable result that was for them. So they're they're winning again. Um, so again, that bottom, yeah, like, like us, the top, that bottom of the table is still wide open. It leaves us Bournemouth, Villa, and Norwich right there. But Bournemouth, West Ham, Watford all have twenty seven points. Right. And just based on uh, goal differential and things like that, tiebreakers. That's why we get Bournemouth in those bottom that bottom three. Yeah, and and Brighton on twenty eight. Yeah, so there's, there's another team thrown in there as well. Yeah, it's, it really is up for grabs, and it's going to be who's on a little roll at the right time, like from now to the end of the season. Only ten games left, so the, the, the team needs to be looking around three wins, four wins out of those. Did it do anything for Norwich? I mean, so you got the win, but you're still at twenty one points, right? You're still. I mean, you're going to have to make up two, three full match wins. Mm. over somebody to even have a chance to get out of relegation territory. I know. And I, I could see them doing that. The, what they've got in favor is there are so many other teams involved that, that, are th- that outside of the three, there's three more that they could they could haul back. If three of those teams don't get any wins between now and the end of the season, then it could flip. Um, and they play well enough to do it, so they, they, they can't give up. No, I mean, that's for sure. They've just got to keep at it. Villa is the team that you've been convinced, okay, they're going to be able to get to work, play their way out of uh, relegation territory um, have you lost some of that confidence in Villa right now? Well, 
Only because they're sitting where they're sitting, but a, a win on Saturday. And they've got a game in hand, I believe, because yeah. they played in the, the cup final the other day. So another win, and they're they're above Brighton, or they're they're on the same points as Brighton, and they're they're okay. So it changes week to week to week to week. So I still think Villa. I, I still think Villa can escape that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, uh, I'm still with Norwich. I'm still with Norwich, Bournemouth, and West Ham was my other one. Yeah, yeah okay. So those <laughs> yeah, those are the yeah. ones that are there. I yeah. I like you know what? Look, Watford surprised me last time. And maybe with Sar is playing as well as he has, they have a little more attacking power. They need somebody they could they, look. I I like Decore, but he's the guy that should be a holding midfielder or something like that. Not a guy who should be leading your attack. But having Sar be the guy that kind of leads your attack a little bit, puts the ball into play, gets the ball forward, I think has been something that's a very that's very much a difference maker for Watford. So maybe they get themselves out of there. I'll still say when it's all said and done, we're looking at uh, Norwich, we're looking at Watford, and we're looking at Bournemouth being the three that are there at the end. Final uh, final point here, Chris. Weekend preview. Give me your match of the week, and do you see an upset of the week? Yeah, my upset in the week is in the uh, match of the week. I've got Chelsea-Everton. I've got, I've got Everton beating Chelsea. Yeah, I think Everton going well. Chelsea spluttering, you know, going well at times, not so well at others, not flowing well. Everton going well up front. Uh, like I said, with uh, Calvin Lewis, I like Richarlison. They're playing. They're playing well. They've got a bit of spirit about them, and um, should have, you know, should have won the other day against Man United. They did. Uh, they did so well, uh, and so I've got them beating Chelsea, and that's my match. Of, my, my match of the week as well, because both are involved in this chase for the Champions League fourth spot. So um, that's my match of the week. I've got Everton beating Chelsea for the upset. I have got okay. I've got match of the week Manchester Derby. I'll go with that. Let's see where United is. This is a yeah. a United team that let, let's see what the where the measuring stick is. You were able to get City last time that you played, right? So I know it's a cup play. It's not necessarily in league play, but let's see what Manchester United can do in this one. And that anytime you get two teams that hate each other like that, that can be that's always a lot of fun. So because of that, I went with the Manchester Derby. My upset pick is Everton over Chelsea as well. I just think that Tammy Abraham's absence is gonna it, it's going to rear its head. I think it has a little bit for them, and I think they're going to struggle to score goals again. And if there's one thing you have to do against Everton to beat them. You got to put three up. I mean, to feel like you comfortably are going to beat the Everton side, you got to have three goals. And I just don't know where those three goals are going to come from for Chelsea right now. No, I agree. I agree. There's part of me that wanted to take Villa against Leicester City. If I'm being completely honest with you, uh-huh. Leicester City is struggling right yeah, now. Yeah, that's true. But Villa is definitely struggling, and it's and it's one thing to go into King Power. They just Leicester still seems to be pretty strong there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. Although they are spluttering at the moment, so yeah, that's not that's not a bad shout. It could um, there could be an upset there. And I, I'm looking forward to see Bruno for Man United. See how he goes against Man City. That min, against that Man City midfield. Yeah, they're going to be a fantastic matchup. Chris Carroll, I'm Will West. Thank you guys for giving us your time. Starting 11, 99.1, the Sports Animal. Chesney Dentistry is a local family-owned general dentist practice serving Knoxville since 1983. At Chesney Dentistry, they've been earning the trust of patients and their families by investing time in understanding their unique dental needs. With highly personalized dental service, they are committed to the highest standards of superior clinical care and integrity to help their patients achieve their healthiest, brightest smile. Chesney Dentistry, with two convenient locations in West and North Knoxville. Schedule a visit today at ChesneyDentistry.com. Um,